Welcome to the Elevate Life Church podcast of the week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit elevatelife.com. Show because I've, I've loved it since I was a little kid. And uh, so before we get started, though, let's just let's just pray. God, we thank you this morning for what you're doing. God, we thank you that you can speak through any medium. God, I thank you that you know exactly where we are in our lives right now. And we believe that a word from you can change our life forever. God, I pray today that we would realize maybe for the first time, maybe for the first time in a long time, how much you love us, how, how crazy your love is for us, God, and, and the love that you've called us to show through the, to the world as your people. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives and what you want to do through our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 6. And if you don't have your Bible, they'll, they'll have it on the screen for you. But in watching this movie and, um, you know, watching this since I was a little kid, but really getting, getting ready for this, this uh, message and putting some thoughts together, I thought about Luke chapter 6. And, and there's a couple different um, <clears throat> ways to talk about this, but today I just want to talk about love. I want to talk about love and what God's called us to be. And there's a lot of, you know, um, maybe there's Grinches in our life. Maybe we are the Grinch. Maybe we're struggling with our Grinch attitude. You know, Dr. Seuss, when he wrote this book, he, he had these two interesting thoughts. He said on his best days that he was the cat in the hat, and on his worst days he was the Grinch. So he actually wrote the children's book, The Grinch, to encourage himself around Christmas because he saw himself as the Grinch. So if you go to Luke chapter 6, and start in verse 27, Jesus is talking to some of his friends, and uh, he says, But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will be truly acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. So there are Grinches all around us, and we live in a world that's maybe selfish. We live in a world that's filled with people who are really about themselves, who, who do, do not celebrate when we celebrate. They, they, they don't weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. They rejoice with those who, who weep and weep when other people are rejoicing. That's the kind of world that, that, we, that we often find ourselves in. And I want to talk about what we're supposed to do in the context of Scripture today to address the culture that, that we live in. Because this, this passage of scripture is, is really, Jesus is talking about something that's impossible here. He's talking about something that's revolutionary. He's talking about something that's miraculous. Because everybody in this room 
everybody that can hear my voice, watching online, whatever, we all have people that we do not love right now. We all have people in our life that we see as enemies or have chosen to see us as enemies. In uh, 2018, in this era in history, we like to use the word hater. So all of us have haters, and uh, we subtweet our haters, and we post little quotes on Instagram that kind of address our haters without saying their name. And uh, we live our lives as if to prove haters wrong. And I, and I would challenge you and encourage you that to even think that way is an affront to what Jesus is saying here. To even look at anyone in your life as an enemy or as a hater is completely and totally against the very teachings of Jesus. Now this, this doesn't make a lot of sense because, it's, because in our mind we still, no matter how long we walked with God, it's still a battle for us to look at love the way that God looks at love. According to God, love is not a feeling. According to this passage of scripture, Jesus isn't saying, hey, be friends with everyone. He's not saying hang out with everyone. He's not saying do life with everyone. He's not saying, hey, follow him on social media. That's not, that's not what he's saying. What Jesus is saying is that he's not asking you to feel a certain way, but he's asking you to act a certain way. So Jesus is saying that true love, if we call ourselves a Christian, true love, biblically, will, will not dictate how we feel. It will determine how we act. So in this story of the Grinch, it's, to me it's like this modern day allegory of how to transform people, how to help people transform people, because we really can't change anybody, only God can change people. But we have to decide to be a part of the process. What is it that transforms people's lives? It's not our judgment, it's not our criticism, it's not our negativity, it's not us calling them an enemy. What transforms people's lives is love that makes no sense. So when I was a kid, my dad, uh, one of the greatest lessons I feel like I've learned in my entire life is this thought process that says, um, don't act your way into a feeling, feel your way into, or don't, don't, sorry, don't feel your way into an action, but act your way into a feeling. So many people in life, they will love you if they feel like loving you. They will love you if you're loving towards them. We love people if they're love, loving towards us. Love is a reciprocal thing in our modern society. So it's a payback thing, but it's positive payback. Like if you're polite to me, I'm going to be polite to you. If I'm in the store and you work at the store and you treat me right, I'm going to treat you right. But if you don't treat me right, then uh, the customer's always right, and I'm going to make sure that you know that. We live in a world that's very reciprocal, and everything's based on payback. So I love you if you love me, but Jesus says... What God is talking about here in this passage of Scripture is that love is not meant to be reciprocal. Love is not meant to be this thing that, hey, if I do this for you, you're going to do this for me. And if you do this for me, then I'll do this for you. Love has nothing to do with how you feel. It has everything to do with how you act. But how you feel is determined by how you act. So, so many people in life, they are unloving. They are the Grinches because they act like a Grinch, and so they continue to feel like a Grinch. What I've learned in my life, walking through my life, watching, watching my parents, watching my dad, having my dad as a mentor to me, is that my feelings are like a caboose on the train. My feelings follow wherever I decide to go. So if I decide to treat people with love, then I'll feel love towards them. If I decide to treat people like they're an enemy, well, I'm going to feel like they're an enemy. If I decide to treat someone like they're a hater, then they're going to be my hater. I'm going to feel like they're my hater. But if I decide to look at someone through the lens of what Jesus is saying here, to love them no matter what, then I have to choose to act according to that. In the book of Matthew, which is actually uh, Luke chapter 6 and, and Matthew chapter 5, are parallel chapters in the Bible, Jesus says the same thing, same thing a lot. 
in both of these chapters, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, so how do we love? How do we love? Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16, Jesus says this. He says, can you, or he says, sorry, he says, uh, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So what, is it, what does it mean to become, you know, to not to be, to lose our flavor? To lose our flavor means we stop doing good deeds. We, when we stop doing good things for people, when we start showing, when we stop showing people tangible love, whoever those people are, we're not demonstrating the kind of life and the kind of character that God wants us to have. How do we show people that we love? The way we show people that we love is by doing good towards them, by extending mercy towards them, by being compassionate, just like Jesus is saying we need to be compassionate like his Father, like our Father in heaven is compassionate. So love equals good, good deeds to other people. It equals thinking good thoughts, it equals feeling good feelings, but it also equals doing good to someone else. The love that, that Jesus is demonstrating and talking about here is not an abstract love, it's a concrete action. So Saul in the Bible, many of you maybe know the, know the story of Saul, but Saul was a guy, he was a modern day terrorist in his era. He killed Christians, he, he would have been probably um, one of the most notorious Christian killers in the world at that, at that point in history. If there was an enemy of Christianity right after Jesus had, had died, it was Saul and, uh, and his band of, of Jewish people. And so Saul was this guy that everyone was scared of, everyone was threatened by. And long story short, there's this man named Stephen, and, and Stephen, was, um, Stephen was stoned by the Jews. And Saul, the Bible says that Saul stood there while Stephen was stone, stoned, and he, and he held everyone's cloaks while, so that they could stone him. Stephen prayed the same prayer that Jesus prayed on the cross. He said, God, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Long story short, Saul has a conversion experience and becomes Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, because some Christians decided to actually be Christians towards him. Now, can I just challenge you with this today? We don't have enough of this in our modern world. We have a lot of reasons why we can't. We have a lot of reasons why we shouldn't. We have a lot of reasons why, you know, I know this applies maybe not to that group and maybe not to this group and those people over there. And Jesus wasn't talking about our current geopolitical climate and he didn't have Donald Trump as his president. And there wasn't all this stuff happening in the Middle East when Jesus was around and, you know, Jesus didn't get hated like I've been hated and sometimes we can put ourselves in, we can get ourselves in this mentality where we, where we call ourselves a Christian, but we negotiate ourselves out of actually being one. And I'm, and I'm not saying that to be controversial. I'm not saying that to be controversial, but Jesus is saying in Luke chapter 6, he says, now if you're going to listen to me, if you're going to listen to me, you're going to act like a child of God. To act like a child of God means to not see anyone as your enemy. And I need to be convicted by that, and I need to be confronted by that, and I need to be put in my place about that. Because I'm a human being, and I've got issues, and i got stuff that i got to work through. And I can live my life, and I can call everyone else a Grinch. And I can say this person and that person, and they're this way, and they're that way. 
and on and on and on I could go. But in the story, if I could use the Grinch as an example, in the story, the Who's didn't do that. The Grinch did that. In the story, the Who's didn't have any enemies. The Grinch had the enemies. The, the, the Grinch was the one that was bothered by everything. He was the one that was bothered by the way that the Who's were living their life. Sometimes we look at the world and we're like so bothered by, by people's behavior that is an affront to our belief system. We're so bothered by everything else. And so we try to make all these rules and, and, and things that people have to apply in, in, into their life so that God will love them and so that we will love them. And that's not the way that God operates. If I have a true understanding of God's love for me, then I know I can't earn it. I know that God's love for me has nothing to do with my obedience has nothing to do with me listening to him, has nothing to do with me obeying him or submitting to him. And I can feel like I'm a good Christian and I can feel like I'm trying to live my life right and I can feel like I got everything together and I've earned enough of God's love to be able to judge other people, but I can't tell you how wrong it is for me to think that. According to Jesus, the standard of our behavior, if we call ourselves Christ followers, the standard of our behavior is how well we show mercy. In other words, the standard of a Christian's behavior is how well they demonstrate love to people who could just as easily be their enemy. Now, I don't know who your enemies are. I don't know who you see as a personal enemy. I don't, I don't know who you see as a cultural enemy. I don't know what kind of world that you happen to live in. But I do know that according to the Bible, we may feel misunderstood personally. We may feel attacked. We may feel disconnected. We may feel criticized. We may feel judged. But according to God's word, we're never allowed to harbor the same things towards other people. So if you've ever found yourself being critical, if you've ever found yourself being judgmental, if you've ever found yourself being harsh, then you're missing what God wants you to do in this, in this earth and on this earth. And so, so often in our lives, in the world that we live in today as, as Christ followers, I think we probably, in, in a lot of rooms, in the rooms where we should have the best reputation to, for being the most loving people, we have the worst reputation. We have a reputation in certain rooms of people that, that know that there are enemies, that, that we don't love them, that we're not there for them, that we're the Grinch and they're the, and they're the who's. But really we should have the reputation in every room that we're just going to love. That's just, that's just what we're here for. I'm here to show you mercy. I'm here to show you grace. I love what Billy Graham, I love what Billy Graham said. It's like, a, it's like become a, a life sentence, a life quote for me in my mind. That it's my job to love people, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict them, and it's God's job to judge them. The only responsibility that God has given me on this earth in my life is to love people. And if I miss it, then I miss my assignment. If I don't understand this, then I'm not understanding the purpose and the destiny that God has for me. So to love this way means that I depend on God. It means that I trust in him. It means that, I just, it means that I'm, I'm letting go of the Grinch part of me because every one of us has prejudice. Every one of us has things that we would judge people based on. Every one of us has, has Grinch parts of us that other things about other people, other cultures, other people groups, whatever those things are. Every one of us has these things in us that bother us based on how someone has hurt us, based on how someone has wronged us. But if I'm going to understand, if I'm going to live the way God wants me to live, if I'm going to understand how much he loves me, then I have to understand how much he also loves other people. I have to be the kind of person who lets go of the Grinch parts of me so that God can make me who he wants me to be. This kind of love is a miracle. It's a miracle. 
if, if, we, can, if we can actually behave this way. Because as we're used to, as people, we're used to fighting for ourselves, fighting for what we believe in, fighting for what we want, fighting for our personal, you know, our personal sense of injustice in our own personal lives and fighting for, you know, to make sure we get justice and make sure we get what we have coming to us and make sure those people do too in a negative way. Make sure people know all about what that person did, all about what that person said, all about how that person hurt me. And Jesus is saying, none of that is stuff that you should do. And the proof that you have a relationship with him, the proof that you trust in him is how well you're able to do that. Because I can say all day, and I, don't, and I don't know where each individual person in the room is with this, but I can say all day, hey, I trust God, I believe in God, I'm a Christian, you know, all, the, all these different kind of things and thoughts that we say about ourselves, but how well do we show mercy? How well do we love people that, that could just as easily be seen as our enemy? How, how well do we love the people that are Grinches into some kind of lifelong transformation? How much are we there for them? How much are we showing mercy to them? So this kind of love that Jesus is talking about is not something that we can just decide to do one day. It's something that we have, we have to have a revelation about, which means we have to come to a point in our own life where we decide that I'm at the end of me and I'm at the beginning of, of something else. God wants to do miracles in me so that he can do miracles through me. And it doesn't matter how long I feel like, doesn't matter how long I feel like I've served God, doesn't matter how much of the Bible I know, none of that stuff matters as much as this matters. Jesus said, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself and love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That fulfills everything he would ever command out of us. And a lot of us are trying to obey a lot of other different stuff to get around loving your neighbor as yourself when Jesus says everything comes back to loving your neighbor as yourself. We can try to negotiate our way out of it. We can say, well, I just don't agree with that or that's too hard for me, that's too difficult for me. Then what I have to admit to myself is I'm not really willing to, to practice this thing. I'm willing to believe Jesus some of the way but not all the way. I'm not willing to let God, you know, take care of whatever God wants to take care of. I'm not willing to let God tell the story because I want to be in control. It's easier for me to look at that people group. It's easier for me to look at that culture. It's easier for me to, it's easier for me to look at that and be just like everyone else and say, well, those people over there and those people over here and this race and that group and so on and so forth, those people, they're just this way and I don't really feel like I have to love them, blah, blah, blah. But really Jesus is saying love it, love. Like, Love your enemies. Anyone that sees you as an enemy, anyone that you see as an enemy, love your enemies. Pray for them. Pray that God, pray that God will bless them. And he says this, and the, and the first verse there is really interesting to me. He says to all those who will listen. Because some of us have been hearing this for a long time, and we're still not listening. You read the Bible, you, you, read, the, you read the Gospels, you read the New Testament, you can't negotiate your way around this if you call yourself a Christian. You can't, you can't negotiate your way into looking at people that are, that are a different culture than you or a different color than you or have a different religion than you or have a, have a different whatever than you and find an excuse to see them as an enemy. You can't do it. Biblically, you can't do it. I mean, you can do it in your, in your life if that's something you, you decide you want to do. But I can't, I feel like in my own personal life, I can't hate people, see people as an enemy and call myself a Christian at the same time. I can call myself kind of a Christian. 
But I'm the, but in that situation, in that scenario, I'm the Grinch. So in our lives, this kind of love relationship does miracles in people's lives. It does miracles in our life. God does a miracle in us, but he wants to do miracles in other people's lives through us. So I want to show you a little bit, we're just about done, but I want to show you a little bit of some research and just kind of a story that was done a few years ago that we put together. So check out this video. We told you the news that Congresswoman Gabby Giffords opened her eyes today, began moving arms and legs. She was surrounded by an army of friends and family who not only gathered at her bedside, but in waiting rooms nearby. There are some experts absolutely certain that the mere presence of friends can change healing. But is there science to back up the claim? We asked Ron Claiborne to explore. It's what Congresswoman Giffords' doctors call one of medicine's intangibles. How a sick or unconscious person is helped by having a loved one beside their bed, touching them, talking to them. We can't really quantify that, that component that family and friends bring, but we know that it exists, and this is a true example of that. ABC's Bob Woodruff suffered a traumatic brain injury in Iraq. He insists it was the presence of his wife and his children there at his bedside while he was still in a coma that helped him recover. Rubbing my feet, whispering in my e ear, reading me books. And I think, you know, there is no science, facts, medical knowledge that proves that having a family around you while you're in that hospital, in recovery, and in that moment after you wake up, uh, that it actually has a huge effect on, on, on you surviving and, and healing a lot faster. But science is beginning to understand how human interactions help sick people recover. A Duke University study looked at thousands of patients with serious heart disease and broke them down into two groups, those who were married and who had people close to them, the second group unmarried with no close personal support. The researchers found that half of the so-called socially isolated patients died within five years, compared to just 18% of those with social support. The most likely mechanism that could be accounting for the help that being around a loved one who's touching you and that you know is there for you would be uh, reduced levels of stress hormones like adrenaline. Reducing a patient's stress allows the body to focus on healing. In fact, a report in the archives of internal medicine found that social isolation in heart patients was as unhealthy as smoking. And our medical unit contacted over 100 doctors about this today. Many gave examples where they themselves have seen this kind of healing before. Someone gravely injured who got better with family and friends around them. And some even said just having those supportive relationships, Diane, in a patient's life helped them actually recover. Even if they're not physically present. And I just know- Just having that relationship. Right, and I know, Ron, you're gonna put online for everyone to read some of the responses that you got from doctors. Fascinating Dozens and dozens, yes. So, so you're, you need to understand how, how significant you have the potential to be in, in people's lives and in the world. This is the kind of stuff that changes the world for real. And we live in a, we live in a world that does not understand how much God loves them. They, they're, they're longing for love. Our, phys our physical bodies, you're, that's what you're hearing in this video. Our physical bodies, these needs are met by the love of people. There's so much about ourselves even physically and spiritually and how all of that intertwines that we don't even, that we don't even still to this day understand. They, don't, they can't even explain it. All they know is that some, it means something. There's some kind of positive thing to having people around you that love you. 
So how, how, much, how, how, how much does God want to use you in people's lives? Maybe, maybe it's not even about having a personal relationship with them. But it's about having actions of mercy towards people. It's about understanding that withholding this mercy not only, not only hurts them, it hurts us isolating ourselves. You know, some of us in this room, we've gone through really deep hurt. And we've been through really difficult stuff. And so we've just, we've just allowed ourselves to, to fly solo. We've allowed ourselves to become withholding and say, you know what, I'm just going to isolate myself because isolating myself from pain is better, than, is, is better than feeling the pain. And God has created you to feel love. God has created you to not only feel his love, but to feel the love of people. You need great people around you. We need great people around us. We need to be those great people. That no matter how someone is, and no matter how they behave, and no matter what they look like, we have such a deep understanding. And I hope you understand this. My prayer for you today is it's not even about the, the words that I have to say, but that you would just be overwhelmed by how much God loves you. That you would just, in a, in a spiritual sense, deepen who you are. That you would begin to have an understanding of how much God loves you. How, how overwhelming his, his mercy is. How unbelievable his, his grace is. That it's not about earning it. It's not about your obedience. It's not about you doing everything right so that he'll love you. Every other relationship can be that way. But your relationship, your relationship with God isn't that way at all. What you need to understand deep in the core of who you are is how much God loves you. And that he created you for a purpose. And that he created you for a reason. And that reason and that purpose that he created you for is to give yourself away to other people. To live your life so that other people can feel this same love. So that, they can, so that they can begin to understand how much God cares about them, how much God wants to heal them, how much God wants to set them free. You're seeing a story that's about people being healed of physical hurts because of relationship. God wants to heal every hurt that we have in our life through relationship. And sometimes in our life, the things that are meant to be the most positive, best things in our life, relationships, are the things that wound us the most. And we have to make a decision. If we call ourselves Christ followers, we have to make a decision to say, you know what, no matter how I've been hurt, no matter what I've gone through, Jesus, I'm just, I'm just gonna trust in you. I'm gonna take your words to the bank. I'm gonna just continue to live in your love and to understand how much you love me, how much you believe in me, how much in the midst of my own personal hurt, God, you wanna do miracles in me. You wanna do miracles through me. That's what the world needs. That's what Jesus is saying over 2,000 years ago. He says, just trust me. Just let it go. Just stop holding on to that. Stop looking at people that way. Stop seeing people that way and be the change is what Gandhi said. It's not even what Jesus said. Be the change you wish to see in the world. David Orr, and I'll end with this. He said, the plain fact is that the planet does not need more successful people but it does desperately need more peacemakers, healers, restorers, storytellers, and lovers of every kind. It needs people who live well in their places. It needs people of moral courage willing to join the fight to make the world habitable and humane. All these qualities have little to do with, with success as we have defined it. We can look at the world and we can be like the world or we can understand the power that we have to do miraculous things in our life right now if we just listen to what Jesus says. 
want to invite you, just can you just bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Because like I said, you know, my, my just prayer today is that first of all, you would be overwhelmed by Jesus' love, maybe for the first time. That you would just really come to the end of yourself right now and know that it's not about what you can do. That there is a God that created you that so loves you just how you are, exactly where you are with the life that you're living and he has so much more for you in store. That's, that's the thing we gotta get the most right. We gotta get our relationship with God right so that we can work on our relationship with other people. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Make sure to get your copy of Pastor Keith Craft's book, Your Divine Fingerprint, and visit elevatelife.com for other exciting new content from Elevate Life Church.